We're doing a week earlier than I anticipated, but I have three GM candidates and three head coach candidates for next season. That and more coming up on this episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this show on YouTube or wherever you're getting your podcast, and you can do it for free. You can also become a Locked On Commanders insider. Continue this conversation with me by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. And from there, you text me, I text you, your news, insights, bonus content, all of it via text message one-on-one with me. Again, join subtext.com slash locked on commanders to become a lock insider today. I'm David Harrison, your host for this show, credential member of the media covering the Washington commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers who I appreciate for your continued support for the program. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's 150 bucks just for playing. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. On today's episode, we're going to look at the impacts of a potential new hire as general manager and head coach of this football team in the NFL draft. But we're going to get started with the GM and the head coaching searches, starting with the head coaches. And I honestly had planned on kind of saving these topics for after Black Monday comes after the last regular season game of the year and the official moves are being made. But the conversation is already being had widespread. So I figure it's time. You know what I mean? There's, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not too early. It's time to get into these conversations. I'm going to start this, out, this off with the head coaching candidates that I'm looking at right now. And there are several. So if your favorite is not on here, don't think that uh, your favorite is not going to get discussed at any point in time. These are just kind of the top three that I'm looking at right now. Uh, and so we're going to start it off with Eric Bieniemy. I think you have to start off with the Washington commander's own assistant head coach, uh, offensive coordinator, who I think certainly will uh, likely get an interview, should get an interview with Josh Harris and, and the decision makers uh, that are going to help him find out who his next head coach is going to be. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not Ron Rivera should be fired in season so that Eric Bieniemy can basically get, his audition going or his his in-season you know interview uh started with josh harris in this group and and i've i've kind of said this before so every day is this gonna sound familiar but really eric Bieniemy has been interviewing all season long you know what i mean like josh harris has been in the building he's been at the games he's been talking to these guys he's he's getting to know what who these people are uh as a staff and so he's 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 learning who eric Bieniemy is and he's learning his style and and all those things. And Eric Bieniemy has been, you know, running the schedule and, and doing all these things. So there, there's been an interview process. Now, he hasn't been the full, you know, obviously full head coach, but he certainly has been able to show Josh Harris more uh, upfront and close uh, and personal than any other coaching candidate is going to be able to. Right. So he's he's obviously got the upper leg in that standpoint, as long as what he's doing and how he's interacting with Josh Harris is actually making a good impression. Uh, if it's not, then, you know, Josh probably already has his feelings on that. Honestly, I would think by now, Josh Harris kind of has his feels on on whether or not he wants Eric Bieniemy to be his next coach or not. And then from there, it's just about going through the process and making sure that you're you're checking all your corners and and doing your due diligence. Right. So the pros for Eric Bieniemy, uh, obviously, 
and the continuity with the team, the remaining offensive players would know him, know what to expect, know his scheme, know his language, all those things. And the coaches that are left over, uh, same deal there. So continuity is part of that, you know, uh, depending on how much you want continuity with what's been going on with this franchise, that's going to be a pro or it could be actually uh, be a con in some ways, right? Super Bowl pedigree. Certainly Eric bien has been on multiple Super Bowl staffs. He's on multiple Super Bowl rings. So the, you know, we always like to kind of take the, the, the adage of, you know, if he's been on the staff and he's seen how it's done, uh, seeing kind of what makes it work and what make, what doesn't and, and should be able to bring some of those lessons over. It doesn't always work out that way. The Bill Belichick uh, tree has a lot of Super Bowl rings on it, but not a whole lot of Super Bowl winning coaches outside of New England. So, you know, it, it depends on how effective that really is at the end of the day. The cons, uh, stubbornness. You know, for this season, I think we've seen a lot of stubbornness out of Eric Bieniemy. Uh, EB has used the phrase, uh, you know, EB is going to be EB, you know, no matter what uh, type of thing. And, and obviously you have to stay true to yourself, you know, to a certain aspect. Uh, but I think what has really bothered people this season is a lack of contextual play calling uh, and adjustments being made. Like as the season goes on and you see that you have, you know, a young quarterback uh, early on behind a struggling offensive line later on behind a struggling mindset, um, the, the adjustments in play calling, the adjustments in game play just aren't being aren't, aren't there. Basically, it's the adage of this is my scheme. You go execute. That's your job. Um, and, and, you know, again, leaders have to be flexible. You know, at, at the end of the day, you don't have to you don't have to change who you are, but you do have to be flexible with your planning based on your strengths uh, of your staff and your personnel. And I don't see a lot of that coming out of Eric Bieniemy in his adjustments and in his willingness to, you know, to to use guys mostly like Brian Robinson Jr. or scheme up ways to get the ball to Terry McLaurin, uh, two of his best playmakers on the team. And to me, that is a problem in today's NFL. You're going to get figured out. And if you come in week in, week out for 18 plus weeks, uh, just doing the same thing you want to do every single week, you're going to get figured out. And teams are too smart these days. And I think that's some of what we've seen uh, down the later stretch of the season. Um, the ownership has an accountable eye. That's another con, I think, in this conversation. You know, we've talked to Coach Ron Rivera a lot this season about his conversations with Josh Harris and the ownership group, and they're interested. They, they're 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 involved. You know what I mean? Like they're not silent partners here. They want input. They have input. Uh, they've got their guy Eugene Shen. You know what I mean? I don't know how much Eric Bieniemy is going to be really into the whole analytics thing. I don't think Andy Reid is much of an analytics guy. Things like that. But you know, I'm not an expert on the Andy Reid. Uh, mentality, but you know, it, it's it's one of these things where this it looks like a collaborative uh, uh, attempt at running an NFL team versus just you know hire the coach and the coach goes and does what he does. So if, if EB is not willing to be a little bit more collaborative uh, and, and kind of explain what he's doing to the ownership group and all those things, then that certainly is going to be a problem. So Eric Bieniemy uh, again certainly deserves an opportunity to interview. Um, certainly like every interaction I've had with him personally. Uh, but, you know, I think there are some pros and there are some cons to the potential of EB uh, staying on board as the head coach. Another hot candidate uh, around the NFL head coaching conversations, Ben Johnson, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, got some offers or got at least one offer I know of uh, last season, decided to come back and become the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. There's been some rumors circulating. Usually those are coming from agents. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But it certainly sounds like Ben Johnson is ready to step into the head coaching uh, arena this offseason. Some pros. Uh, the Lions have been top five in scoring in yards in 2022, currently top five in scoring in yards uh, in 2023 as well. So that would be back-to-back years that the Detroit Lions finished top five in those categories. And you certainly love that amount of production uh, coming from the type of leader that I think most people want for their commander's team. 
uh, and Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell kind of has that aggressive in your face type of uh, mentality, but does it without being kind of overly rigid uh, with his players. So I think that's kind of the good mix that you want uh, in your staff. So if Ben Johnson has adopted any of that, then then potentially it's a good fit for what commanders fans seem to want in their next head coach cons. Doesn't seem to have much of a counter when his scheme doesn't work. Watching Detroit Lion games this season, I uh, haven't watched them all, full full disclosure, but I've watched you know, at least five or six uh, uh, Detroit Lions games. When the scheme works, it, it works really great. But when it doesn't work, he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of counters, kind of just sticks with what he's doing. Uh, and that, to me, is is indicative of, you know, once your offense gets figured out, once your team gets figured out, if you don't have uh, the talent to necessarily get over that hump on its own, you're not going to do a whole lot schematically to really change it. Um, kind of relies on what he thinks is going to work versus reading the game flow. Final candidate we're going to talk about here today, Mike McDonald, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Uh, pros, he's been with the Ravens from 2015 to 2020, and then again, 2022, 2023. Uh, only one losing season in that stretch comes from a franchise with a strong history of developing homegrown talent, but also maximizes free agent additions. Uh, he's been groomed by special teams head coach. Uh, John Harbaugh, head coach John Harbaugh, comes from a special teams background. Only two years on the staff that the defense was not top 10 in scoring defense. Cons, rush defense is 27th in yards per attempt, 13th in yards per game because the explosive offense is keeping teams from being able uh, to run the ball against them. But pass defense is first in yards per play and sixth in yards per game. So despite the fact that they're in a lot of shootouts, they're certainly built to withstand them. My current favorite of the three coaching candidates would be Mike McDonald, the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator uh, right now. Some other names to watch, Bobby Slowick, the Houston Texans offensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, Frank Smith, Dolphins offensive coordinator, Brian Flores, Vikings defensive coordinator, and Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. I will tell you that I could get behind and get you know somewhat excited behind pretty much every one of those candidates uh, so I think the odds of the Washington Commanders get themselves a pretty solid head coach this coming season are pretty good. But the head coach conversation is just part of the equation. I've got three candidates, my three top candidates for the Commander's general general manager job coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The largest spread in the beginning of the week for NFL Week 18 belongs to the Dallas Cowboys, who are 13.5-point favorites over the Washington Commanders, while the closest belongs to the Indianapolis Colts, who are just one-and-a-half-point favorites to beat the Houston Texans. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. I love building parlays, and you can do so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, make your first bet a layup, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets once you make that bet. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listener, your first view today and every day. Every day is come back tomorrow. we got another mailbag episode, last mailbag of the regular season. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 
streaming channel. I identified three primary head coaching candidates that I'm looking at right now early on, obviously, in this process. Um, my understanding is that firm offers cannot be made until January 8th. So we do have a little bit of time, not a whole lot of time, but I mean that, you know, I don't think that you're going to be hearing of a head coaching hire, you know, on Monday of, of next week. I think you're you're looking at a little bit uh, of a process at least. And of course, some of these guys could be or will be coaching in the playoffs and that's going to kind of complicate things uh, and so on and so forth, uh, which honestly, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I understand why it has to happen. Um, but I really, really wish the NFL would find some sort of mechanism to make it, you know, to where coaches that are coaching in the playoffs can focus on what they're doing instead of focusing on head coaching interviews and and all those other things. I just I just I don't like it for the current status of the teams and everything. I don't know. Maybe you move the the NFL draft to May and you move the combine to March and you move the senior bowl to February and, you know, you let these coaches coach and you let them do what they need to do. Um, all those things. I don't know. Anyway. Different soapbox type of moment that doesn't impact the Washington Commanders right now anyway, right? Um, look, turning now to the general manager, obviously this general manager head coaching duo is going to be very important. And I don't know right now how Josh Harris plans to attack this thing. You know, some owners, they have the general manager hire the coach. Some owners, they hire each individually and basically both work for the owner. Um, some head coaches actually have the power uh, more so than the general manager. So I don't know how Josh Harris plans to attack this thing. Um, but I figure, you know, the head coach is obviously the one that you're going to see the most, talk about the most and hear from the most. So that's why we start with the head coach. And then we go to the GM. It's not because I think there's a, a priority over one or the other. But looking at GM candidates, uh, the first one we're going to talk about here on this list of three is Adam Peters, 49ers assistant GM currently. Uh, the pros, he's been working with John Lynch, obviously. John Lynch has been a masterful general manager uh, since he joined the San Francisco 49ers out of the broadcast booth. Um, Peters has been learning from him ever since 2018. He's been their assistant GM in San Francisco for three years now. Previously, or previous to that, he was the vice president of player personnel for San Francisco and was in various scouting positions with the Denver Broncos from 2009 to 2016 before that. And if you remember those Broncos rosters, pretty talented uh, overall from 2009 to 2016. Cons, he might want to stay in San Francisco. You know, there is a school of thought I read uh, I can't remember who it was, it, you know, it, but somebody wrote about how, you know, John Lynch has kind of gotten this elevated title in San Francisco where it's not just general manager. And that actually may lead to him vacating the general manager title altogether. And then Adam Peters could become the full blown general manager while John Lynch kind of has an oversight role um, in those things. So could possibly stay in San Francisco. Bottom line is, even if he doesn't stay in San Francisco, he is going to be arguably the, the most sought after uh, GM candidate in this in this cycle, I think. And that's one of the reasons we started with them. Um, it, it's essentially one of those situations where it's almost like he's not interviewing for you, but you're interviewing uh, for him. You're interviewing to show him that you're the right organization for him to want to jump onto versus you saying, why are you good for our, our organization? That's a little bit of a different dynamic uh, than usual. But that's, you know, that's how good the 49ers have been. And when you come from that environment, that's kind of that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Uh, next candidate we're going to look out here. Uh, look at here, Mike Borgonzi, Kansas City Chiefs uh, assistant GM. Uh, he's been in Kansas City for 15 seasons now. It's, it's a lot of seasons. Uh, it's first season, his first season there. The Kansas City Chiefs were four and 12 and hadn't made the playoffs in three years. Since then, Kansas City has only missed the playoffs three times and has won two Super Bowls, been to three. Uh, roster and cap management has led to eight straight AFC West division titles. Nine in the past 15 years. I mean, there's just a lot of success going on in Kansas City. 
And I know that this season they're kind of having, you know, almost, you know, kind of a down year, but really it's a down year for them because they're still the AFC West champs, still clearly the best team in that division. Um, so, you know, it's just a down year for them because that's how high the bar has been set. Uh, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs cons again, he may decide to stay in Kansas City. I mean, there's a lot of success going on there. You know, there there could be a a, a path where he kind of takes that position um, somewhere down the road, those things like that. Um, and he's also going to be tied to other jobs. He's also going to be a highly sought after candidate. The Chiefs haven't exactly been masters of the trade. I think that's kind of if you look at him versus a guy like Adam Peters, like the 49ers are almost routinely just fleecing teams in the trade market, whereas Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, are not co- quite as active or quite as established in that arena, but certainly cap management, contract management, uh, things like that. Very, very strong. Bonus pro, uh, he knows Eric Bieniemy more than anybody does right now. You know what I mean? Even though he's been on ground here for a year, even though Josh Harris has got to know him for a year, you know, so on and so forth. If if he comes in, if he's your hire, and he doesn't want Eric Bieniemy as your head coach, there is a reason for it. If he does want Eric Bieniemy as your head coach, there's a reason for it. So it makes your head coaching candidacy a little bit easier. At least it helps you uh, peg or eliminate Eric Bieniemy a little bit faster. You know, again, than than if you would uh, if you don't already have that decision made. But again, if you're Josh Harris, you've been around EB for quite a while now, and you kind of see the way he operates, and and you, I think you kind of have a feeling on whether or not he's the kind of guy that you want to work with uh, moving forward. Uh, lastly of the third, uh, or lastly, last of the three, uh, GM candidates. And again, these aren't the only ones. So if your favorite isn't on the list, don't fret. You know what I mean? Uh, we're going to talk about more certainly as we get through this process. And certainly as reports come through of interviews, we will, uh, whittle down to those guys even more. Joe Horitz, uh, Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel, uh, pros, their history of success in Baltimore. Again, you know, it's no, it's no coincidence that we're talking about a Baltimore coach and we're talking about a Baltimore GM. One, they're right up the road, so you get a really good view of how successful they've been. But, you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens just have that reputation. Homegrown talent is a big thing. Acquisitions are successful usually, uh, but also not afraid to move on from mistakes. And I think that's something that if he brings that from the Ravens organization is really valuable. You look at Brashad Perryman, one of the bigger draft busts in Ravens history. Uh, he was only with the team for two seasons. Two seasons, they kind of said, okay, look, this ain't working. You move on. I think they, I think they moved him to Cleveland uh, and and on all those things. And But all, at the same time, they don't miss on first-rounders that much. But when they do, like I said, you like the, the fact that uh, there, there's the integrity enough to and the professionalism enough to say, okay, we, we messed up. Let's, let's move on from this and not just try to continue to make this fit. Uh, because I think – you know, I've said this before every day as you're going to recognize this this phrase, but uh, making a bad decision is one thing. Sticking with a bad decision is even worse. So um, that actually makes me a little bit happier with uh, with a guy like Joe Hortz coming from that type of atmosphere. Cons uh, was never given the assistant general manager title. And again, you know, that's a lot of that is kind of surface. You know, it, it really is just more so what his job entailed uh, there with the Baltimore Ravens. Hard to gauge how impactful that really is, but just from a on the surface aesthetic standpoint, you you would like to have some 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 traditional general manager jobs or or tasks uh, going you know onto his resume. Uh, but he's the only one on the list um, that is that is like that. Should be highly sought after. Again, is is a guy that I expect to get multiple interviews. Um, but you know, I think he could like the idea of not having to move too far. I don't know which side of Baltimore he lives on, but you know, if he does have to move at all, it's not going to be very far uh, living in the in the Baltimore Maryland. Area. My current favorite of these three GM candidates is Adam Peters, the San Francisco 49ers assistant GM. And I think the combination of Peters and Baltimore Ravens defense coordinator uh, Mike McDonald as a head coach gives you three decades plus of experience from two of the more consistent competitors in the league today. 
and two that have also done it in different ways. So I think that's important. That gives you different ideas and you can kind of mesh and do those things. Coach McDonald was with Baltimore when Eugene Shen worked there. So you have a connection there as well. Uh, and Peters would come into a familiar situation with draft picks. Um, he was with the San Francisco 49ers when they traded back one spot with the Chicago Bears. The Bears moved up to get a quarterback. San Francisco traded back from two to three. And they also got a third rounder, a fourth rounder that same year and a third rounder the next year. So with Washington in their current draft position, uh, Adam Peters would have a very familiar stance with that draft position if they decide not to go quarterback. Also, Coach McDonald comes from a very aggressive defense in Baltimore, uh, one, one that, but, it, but it also gets praised for being able to adjust on the fly as needed to face its, uh, its adversary. So uh, I like the idea of a coach that can come in with a plan be aggressive, but also understand when it's time to shift off that plan onto an alternate plan and do it successfully. So what could that trade of a draft pick look like if this GM is brought in? And what could the draft class look like to suit this new head coach? That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player set projections. Sit back and watch the games with more invested than ever before. It's early still, so some of the options are limited for the National Football League's Week 18 schedule games. But right now, I'm going with Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield to have more than 223.5 yards passing against Carolina Panthers and Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker III to have more than 62.5 rushing yards against the Arizona Cardinals. Price Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits, exits the game in the first half, does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance policy. So go to pricepicks.com, use the promo code pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL, all in lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that promo code locked on NFL, all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100 at pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Commanders uh, with a mock draft. We're going to, so we talked about our head coach candidates, our GM candidates. And again, right now, uh, my preferred duo would be Adam Peters, the assistant general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, being hired as the new Washington Commanders general manager and Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald being hired as the new head coach. So if Mike McDonald comes in, runs the same system that he's running in Baltimore, which you assume that you're looking at an odd front defense, also known as a 3-4 defense, uh, which, you know, selfishly is actually the defense that I prefer uh, the most in the National Football League. And, of course, Adam Peters coming from the San Francisco 49ers has pretty good experience being on a staff that executed a trade years ago to go back one spot in the top five of the NFL draft to trade back with a team that wanted to trade up for a quarterback and uh, so that's 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 a coincidence. It truly is. But it is something we're going to flesh out here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do seven round mock draft here. I, I, I told you guys every day, as you know, this, I don't really like doing seven round mocks at this stage. And we're not even in the offseason yet, but in the offseason, um, because we don't have all the comp picks flushed out yet. So these these picks are going to move beyond the third round. So just take it with a grain of salt. You know, the picks from the fourth round on are going to move. And so some of the players that are available 
are certainly going to change. And obviously during the draft process, some of these players are going to move up and down the boards as we go anyway. But starting with the number two overall pick, which is where the Washington Commanders are currently scheduled to pick and certainly could be picking after the end of week 18. Um, we're going to execute a trade and we're going to execute basically the exact same trade that the 49ers ex- executed with the Chicago Bears all those years ago. So in this trade, uh, the New England Patriots get number two overall. The Washington Commanders get number three, number 67, number 103 overall this year, and they get a 2025 third round pick. That means after the trade, the Washington Commanders have the number three, number 34, 42, 66, 67, 100, 102, 103, 139, 180, and 223rd picks in the NFL draft. That is a lot of draft capital. That is a solid way along with almost $100 million or $100 million after you reorganize some things of cap space. I mean, guys, and obviously the draft comes out free agency. So put the cart before the horse just a little bit there. But with the third overall pick, Every day is you're not going to be surprised here. Left tackle, left tackle, Olu Fashanu out of Penn State in this mock draft. Again, I ran this through PFF. Uh, the Chicago Bears take Drake May, actually. and Or no, the Chicago Bears took Caleb Williams, the New England Patriots, to trade up with us. They get Drake May. We get left tackle, Olu Fashanu out of Penn State, start to secure that offensive line. 34th overall pick. Defensive lineman Leonard Taylor, the third out of Miami, Florida, the Hurricanes program. He comes in projected as a 3 4 4 I tech. Uh, defensive lineman, call him a defensive end, call him whatever you want. Sometimes he'll be reduced. Sometimes he'll be outside. It doesn't matter. But bottom line, one of the edges of your defensive line there with the 34th overall pick, 42nd overall pick again in the second round. I'm double dipping, guys. I'm going defensive line again. This time, Chris Jenkins out of Minnesota projects as a 3-4 nose tackle, and I'm moving Deron Payne to the other outside edge. So basically our defensive line after the first two rounds looks like Chris Jenkins in the middle, Leonard Taylor the third, and Deron Payne on either end of him as your starting defensive line. Um, so starting to secure the trenches just a little bit there. We come back in the third round, the 66th overall pick. We're going tight end Jatavion Sanders out of Texas. Get us a nice big receiving tight end who also has some blocking potential. 67th pick right after that. We're right back on the clock. We're going linebacker Peyton Wilson out of NC State. So our first five picks, we're going to the trenches three times. We're going, we're getting another playmaker for whoever our quarterback is going to be. And we're trying to shore up our linebacker position with an off ball linebacker and Peyton Wilson to join Jamin Davis, maybe Khalid Hudson, maybe Cody Barton, who knows who gets retained and re-signed uh, and who doesn't. With our next pick, we're going to actually trade up in this, in this scenario. We're trading the number 100 and number 102 overall picks to the Seattle Seahawks for pick number 77. Now the Seattle Seahawks have a history of trading back in the NFL draft. So this is a move that they could actually look to make. And they also own the number 79th overall pick right now. So trading one of those two picks uh, is certainly within the, the realm of reality for the Seattle Seahawks. And it's in their wheelhouse again, as it's something they like to do. Uh, they like to trade back in the first round almost every single year, but certainly enjoy trading back, collecting more picks with the 77th overall pick. Now we take wide receiver, Johnny Wilson out of Florida state. So you look at this Washington commanders weapons, uh, the, or the group of weapons, and what are they missing? They're missing a six foot seven playmaker. So we go get one of those out of Florida State before the end of round three. So right there, all of this stuff is actually in the realm of possibility. Like as of right now, and again, we'll have to see how how draft stocks fluctuate and all that stuff. But as people stand right now in their draft evaluations and with trades and all that stuff, this is actually in the realm of possibility. If Adam Peters came in here and executed a similar trade like the one that he was a part of when the 49ers traded back with the Chicago Bears. Now, moving forward again, these picks, fourth round on, these picks are going to move. 
because of compensatory picks. So it's it's kind of grain of salt time here. Uh, fourth pick, 103 overall, center Cedric Van Pran out of Georgia. Fifth round pick, 139 overall, cornerback Kyrie Jackson out of Oregon. He's a press man cover, long, athletic. Um, and again, if you're going to move to a Mike McDonald scheme, you're going to need that, that odd front defensive line. You're going to need off-ball linebackers that can have range and make plays. And you're going to need some press man corners. Uh, sixth round, 180th pick, safety, Lathan Ransom out of Ohio State. He is a coverage safety Derek Forrest, Cam Curl, if they come back, I look at both of them as more box safety, strong safety types. So you need yourself a cover safety back there uh, to compete against. Six-round pick, I'm not saying he's going to start. Hopefully there are some free agent additions, things like that. But you do need a guy at least to get in there and add some depth. Seventh-round pick, 223rd overall outside linebacker, Zion Tupola Fatui out of Washington. He is a true pass-rushing outside linebacker to bring in as a seventh-round pick. So in that draft class, you got six top 100 picks two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, two linebackers, one safety, one cornerback, one tight end, one receiver, nine players total added through the NFL draft. And that is on top of whatever you were able to accomplish in free agency. So that's just a taste. Again, drafting for a lot of new pieces because this new defense is going to need it uh, with if the head coach brings in a new style, uh, but also securing the trenches and doing some things that we haven't seen happen here in far too long. So that is my Head coach candidate preview, GM candidate preview, mock draft uh, based on my two pref- preferred hires as of right now. Coming up tomorrow, we got a mailbag episode. So if you got questions about any of these guys, players, playoffs, whatever it is, drop them in the YouTube comment section or hit me directly by texting me as a locked insider. Go to jointsubtext.com slash locked on commanders to become a locked on commanders insider and you'll get text messages for me all off season long. Again, it's not going to stop when the season stops, guys. My next stop after Week 18 is the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, so I'll be texting you from there as well. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day. Every day, every day, thanks for coming through on a regular basis like you do. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your football routine. And until we speak yet, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time right back here for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.